We're live. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Kind of Funny Screencast, Kind of Funny Show, where we talk all about movies, TV, and streaming services. I am Tim Geddes, joined by one of the movie bros herself, Joey Noel. What's up? The big dog, Kevin Coelho, oh, whoa, in his whoa, little whoa, pink whoa. world. Yes. How you doing over there? <laughs> Pretty good. Pretty I like good. that we, we finally get some background for you. It's not just a white wall. Yeah, I've moved into my second non-permanent spot. <laughs> the Kevin Coelho story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And making his screencast debut, Blessing, at Aoye Jr. What's up? Video games are cool, but films are also cool. Also, this is like my third time on screencast. What's up? <laughs> That's not true. Yeah, yeah he was on it during Up and Comer. I was, on, I was on it during Up and Comer. I was on it for Sonic. The movie. That was screened fast. Oh, you're right. You're See, right. That, I had that in mind. I forgot right. about the, the Up and Comer time. So, fine. Fine. We also have uh, the return of a very special guest on the show. It's been way too long. But, ladies and gentlemen, I finally have <laughs> Starbucks iced coffee. Uh, Joey and I made the revelation that they're still doing mobile pickup orders. So, oh, it's been a fun week. I will say that I regret not having you get me one this morning, but. Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you. Everyone makes mistakes, you know. You can get this show ad-free by going to patreon.com slash kind of funny, just like our Patreon producers, Muhammad Muhammad, Justin Tops, Das Bear Jew, Blackjack, and Jared Brown did. We appreciate all of them so very, very much. But if you don't have bucks to toss our way, that's cool. You can go to youtube.com slash kind of funny or roosterteeth.com to watch later for free with ads. It's all good. Um, the other thing you can do, listen to this show as a podcast. Search your favorite podcast service for kind of funny screencast. We like to give you options whatever you want we're there for you i'm loving the kev figure look at that look at that face that's every a time determination well, it's just, kevin, it's, what happened to the pink what do you mean uh, where, where'd the pink go it's not as pink anymore it's it's, it's getting a lot of light because there's a window back there mm. you see? Oh, and so if i, I cover it i think it'll pick up the pink more but then it, the, cha- the white balance changes you see gotcha okay because yeah. it looked like you're inside of a mouth <laughs> I kind of like I kind of like that look for you, you know. Yeah, yeah, Good me too. Lord. Right before the show started, um, I was was telling you guys that I had a fun Twitter interaction today um, with Joey Sasso, Joey from the Netflix reality show The Circle, the hit where, reality. Yeah, definitely, show. definitely. And uh, I enjoyed it because he he was tweeting about <clears> the, rest, <throat> the Next Generation, aka the greatest show ever made. And have you are you a Degrassi partaker? Bless. Oh, dude, I love Degrassi. I, I watched yeah. Degrassi probably way past most people did. Like, dude, I was good. watching Degrassi in like 2010. Good, good, <laughs> good. Because um, I love Degrassi. And it turns out Joey does as well. And I mean, we're going back and forth on Twitter about it. I'm like, this is a conversation I never thought I'd have with someone. So uh, that That's was pretty awesome. funny. Pretty damn it. funny. Makes me want to rewatch Degrassi. We were talking about it recently, dude. Joey. I can't imagine that it's good. Oh, it is. I you guarantee so? it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it went you, there, man. Even I at the know time, it went there. Like, it was progressive, really, for the time. Which I feel now just makes it feel modern. <laughs> that's true. But I also feel like it was the acting can't be good. I mean, they're kids, though. I think it's different. Like, Really? I think we would judge it differently because it felt fairly real and balanced. Some of the early seasons might be a little more rough because they were, like, real little. Yeah, yeah. little babies. Mm-hmm. Where can yeah. we watch it? I don't know. Let me check it. Let me it check was it. streaming I, I, for a while. I used to watch Degrassi on like 
It was like Degrassi.com or something like that, like Nick.com <laughs> slash Degrassi. Why? Back when I was keeping up with it week to week. Um, is there a reason for the name? It's the name of the high school. Oh, okay. And this is just Kev, a... here's Here's the thing about Degrassi, though, that's really crazy. Ooh. So Wait, Degrassi, did Kevin not watch Degrassi? No. No, he didn't, unfortunately. Wait, 14 seasons of this thing? Yeah. So, Kevin, the, like the show started in the 80s. Oh. And there was a high school named Degrassi, and it was about this kid named Snake. Like his nickname was Snake, and like he was the main character. Then they made Degrassi: The Next Generation. Snake becomes the principal, and oh, it's about his daughter. That's Emma, pretty cool. Who goes to Dep- the school? Daughter? Wait, right? so you guys yeah. aren't talking about Degrassi: Next Generation? We are. Oh, we're about no, next we are. Next, that's like Next the, Generation that's is the, the one we grew one. up with. Got yeah. it. And yeah. then there, there was a lot more after that. Next but it's class. All, yeah. It's all connected. There was Next the Class, which I did watch. I watched quite a bit of Next Class. I believe so like, there's Next Class and Next Generation. Wait, no, Next Class. Next oh, class wait, was in was... between Netflix and Next Generation. So there's also Degrassi High, which is in 1989. That's the old one. That's yeah. Degrassi That's the old Junior one. High, which is in 1987. And then there's just Degrassi. I'm not seeing a Next Generation. They no, might Next have just generation. rebranded Next Generation as just Degrassi. But that, it was definitely From called 2001. Degrassi Next Generation. Yep. Yeah. That was ours. Okay. Yeah, that's ours. Okay. That was your guys'. Is... <laughs> but, but the thing about it, Bless, is seasons. me and my friends were so into this show that I would try to like torrent the episodes before they would come out. <laughs> then I, but I realized around like season four that the episodes debut in Canada first because it's a mm-hmm. Canadian show. And there was an entire season that had aired in Canada. So in one night, we got to binge watch before binging was even a thing. Oh my <laughs> God. I called my friends over and we literally had like six dudes just sitting there watching an entire season of Degrassi. It was awesome. That's Kevin, you, there's two episodes you should watch. Because Kevin Smith directed. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, I've seen that. It is a huge fan. I forgot. Isn't Jay in the background in one or? They're both in. They're in an episode. Jay yeah. and Silent Bob are in an episode. Yeah. That's <laughs> I wild. didn't know any of this. Can we that's add that hilarious. to Kevin Smith in review, please? Oh, yes. <laughs> Just... That crossover oh, is man. insane. You got to love it. Anyways, yeah. let's get into the news of the podcast <laughs> here. So the biggest news of the week is definitely an update to the ongoing AMC theater uh, situation. And th- this week it took a turn. It took a turn for the worst, I would say. Uh, Universal and AMC are straight up beefing. Um, and this has been an ongoing thing over the last couple or the last week, essentially, where Universal came forward and was like, yo, Trolls is killing it. We did the what they're calling PVOD, which is premium video on demand, hmm. where we've been talking about on the show of movies that should be in theaters coming first to digital release or whatever because of the situation we're in. Trolls made a lot of money. Um, let me see if I can actually pull up the the numbers here. Um, the Trolls World Tour experiment was a huge success with the movie grossing almost $100 million in rentals uh, within three weeks of its PVOD release, amounting to $77 million in revenue for Universal. This is because Universal retains 80% of rental fees in contrast to the roughly 50% take from traditional box office ticket sales. Uh, in response to the success, uh, one of the, the higher-ups at um, Universal said, the results for Trolls World Tour have exceeded our expectations and demonstrated the, the viability of PVOD. Um, so then this is what sparked the, the trouble. They said, as soon as theaters reopened, we expect to release movies in both formats. So AMC that, was like, Holy oh, shit, that's hell crazy. No. Yeah. So it's really, it's just, it's simple math where you look at it and it's like, it technically didn't make as much money as it would have in theaters if all things were projected correctly. But 
they got a they ended up taking home way more money because of just where the the money would go yeah so yeah amc comes forward this is just like we are not going to play any universal movies anymore in our theaters which is freaking insane that's some bullshit that's can they do bullshit. that? I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. They, they, they can, can do whatever they want. Whatever they want. It's, like, does that does it make sense for that for them to to, to do that? Because they're just losing money. Absolutely point, right. Yeah. Like but, this this is a move of threats right now. It's empty threats that are all trying to force people's hands into working together. But this then caused Regal Theaters to also say they're not playing Universal movies. So now oh. we have two of the most major theater chains saying they're not going to play Universal movies. So when we're thinking Universal. Obviously, we have like trolls here, right? But Universal is also the Despicable Me movies, Secret Life of Pets. Like they have a huge division of like money making kids movies. On top of that, obviously, Fast and Furious franchise, Jurassic Park franchise. Like these are some of the biggest movie making franchises that exist, right? Obviously, Disney kind of has almost monopoly on the biggest franchises. But Universal has a couple mega bangers right there, right? What's crazy with this news is, like, think about how many places now we can go see these movies here, the Cinemark theaters, that's mm-hmm. and, like, the little small shitty chain theaters. That's, like, there's, what, two Cinemark theaters in the, in the like, well, in San Francisco, there's only one, right? Yeah. Which is But that's the thing. At what point is Cinemark going to come forward and say the same thing? I mean, if they do that, then it's like, what? Th- that's insane. But like, that's the kind of threat battle that we're playing in right now, right? Like, I feel like Cinemark needs to come absolutely. forward. So the Universal's yeah. like, okay, fine, fine. We won't do this. We'll respect the window. So the direct quote from AMC was, it's disappointing to us, but Jeff's comments as to Universal's unilateral actions and intentions have left us with no choice. Therefore, effective immediately, AMC will no longer play any Universal movies in any of our theaters in the United States, Europe, or the Middle East. This policy affects any and all Universal movies per se, goes into effect today, and as our theaters reopen, and is not some hollow or ill-considered threat. Incidentally, mm-hmm. this policy is not aimed solely at Universal out of uh, spite or to be punitive in any way. It also extends to any movie maker who unilaterally abandons current windowing practices, uh, absent good faith negotiations between us, so that they as distributor and we as exhibitor both benefit and neither are hurt from such changes. So what's crazy to me is like we're obviously in very interesting times right now that the world would never be able to be prepared for and crazy things are happening across every industry that we have any interest in. This to me is the first time that we're seeing like people acting for the, to preserve themselves in a way that is hurting others and they're just like, well, fuck you. And now it's turning into a war of trying to stay alive. <clears throat> Yeah, it was interesting to see a lot of the reactions coming out from these articles coming out this week, because I feel like so many people were like, fuck AMC, I can't believe they're doing this, like, this is so stupid. But you have to imagine that, like, cool, if Universal decides to do this, and that sets off a domino effect of every other big, like, publisher, distributor, I don't know what the right word is, um, for movies to also think about doing this, like, they're fucked. So, like, they have to take a really, really strong stance if they want to be able to come back. And they need to be able to come back strongly in order to, like, exist at all. So, of course, they're going to take something that they're going to be really harsh about this. And I imagine that they're also talking with every other theater chain that we haven't mentioned to try and, like, rally and get all of them united and on the same front so that they're all just kind of fighting one fight and not fighting between individual chains. 
it's crazy. I mean, Joey and I were talking about this yesterday a little bit uh, when we were just hanging out. But like, th- this is scary because this could have repercussions and ripple effects that change Hollywood, change movies for the worst. In one way, it's like, oh crap, theaters could not exist, and that would suck. We all enjoy the theater process, going to the theater, all of it, right? But on the other side, it's it could also affect it. Of look, if Universal. With Fast and Furious, with the amount of money they put into Fast and Furious, if they're not coming up on that billion dollar mark when they're putting out that movie, that movie's not going to exist as it does now. Like the Fast 12 will not have the same scale and will not be the same type of, you know, quadruple A movie <laughs> um, if if it doesn't have that money coming from the the theaters. Trolls is did what it did. And that's great. Those numbers aren't going to sustain movies that are 10 times bigger than that, right? So at what point did those not even exist anymore if theaters and the big guys can't get along? Yeah, it's super crazy. And it is interesting to think, too, like, in this situation, who needs who more of, like, Universal has, like, a few of these big franchises, but isn't coming out with, like, huge, huge blockbusters, I would say, all the time. But see, that's the thing is they are because add up all of the animated ones, right? I guess that's the ones that I'm not thinking of. And, and that, that, but like, but then the losing backbone. out on the biggest chain thing, like you have, like, how does it all balance out of like Who AMC obviously still gets revenue from Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, and we're about to get a shit ton of those movies in the next like two or whatever years. But like, how does this all, I, it would just be interesting to see like how it balances out if you could actually like real life test it of yeah all that kind of stuff. James Bond's also universal now. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So can you imagine like going back to normal world and then it's like, oh, James Bond's out and we can't watch it in Dolby? I know. That's going to fucking suck. Or Fast 9, Kev. I don't even. That's far enough that hopefully there's a solution at that point. You know what I mean? I, I think that realistically we might have some issues like with 007. I don't know that like because right now it's just words. Like it doesn't matter what you know uh amc or cinemark or any of these theaters are saying they're all closed right now they're making 30 yeah. percent more selling them directly to the, the the people and that makes a lot of sense where it's like okay they can make now significantly less money but they're getting more of that money this is just really interesting and i don't think that we're gonna see like until um 007 comes out and it's like a total bomb and the numbers are super low like i think that's when like when movies when big movies come out that like are uh like you know people are saying are gonna do really well yeah projected a lot of money and they don't and we can be like well they only had a release of like a thousand cinemas instead of the three thousand or however many they get normally and people are pointing at that being like that's the issue that's when Someone's gonna have to act. Yeah. Yeah. Do you guys see any other studios uh, following suit, like doing what Universal is doing and going direct to digital, or do you think like Universal is kind of alone in this battle right now? Well, what's interesting is we've already seen a couple do it, right? Uh, WB just put Scoob out, and oh yeah, they did. Know, the the neither di- nobody. They didn't make a statement being like, we're going to do this all the time now, right? That's the difference. Yeah. yeah. So the difference isn't yeah. them doing it. The difference is them committing to it in a way that implies that when all this situation that this is, is our over, future. that they're going to continue to do that. Um, I, I'm really interested to see if there is – like, where does this end up? Does it 
end up with a middle ground where the conversations are had and there is some type of understanding of maybe a percentage <clears> of movies <throat> or something where it's like, look, Universal's now seeing a different side of this where they're like, maybe there's a different division for theater movies versus premium VOD movies, right? Okay. And like, at what point do do that? Does that just create like a, a separate line? And like, where where would you have to like dot the I's and cross the T's to make the difference between like what we think of as like a Netflix movie versus a Hollywood movie, right? Like, yeah. Universal like, just if be this like, builds a double A kind of division, yeah, where it's like it's not, and I don't know if that's based on budget or like how you calculate it of things we can put out in theaters and in a smaller number of screens yeah and also in premium vod that's not the big ones that like really the theaters are probably clamoring for i feel like that's that all seems so complicated and sounds like they're gonna have to oh. move to a like movie per movie base but like they're not gonna want to do that because no you know obviously they want to try to get as many movies to go through the theaters and <laughs> have a big window so that people no, hey, if I don't go to the theaters in the next two months, I'm going to not see this movie for the next six months. You know? Yeah. I really wonder at what point, like, if theaters just cease to exist because of all of this. Like, if this goes on another year and they just simply cannot pay the rent, cannot, be like, take up the space and all that stuff, how much would movies change? Like, if they had to just, it was only release at home yeah, movies. just go direct. You yeah, think movies, all like, movies get longer or short or shorter, like change in that kind of way. You talking yeah. about and like the scope of the type scope. of movies that are made. Yeah, yeah. Like, do we just stop seeing blockbuster type movies because I, I wonder how much change is there? Like, I wonder, do we ever get a point where movies are getting try to like you know they're trying to hit dates? Like, let's say you know like Endgame level movie gets announced for a certain date. And now, can they just slide the date over, put it out like three weeks earlier, and try to miss that window? And does that help their numbers, kind of thing? Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting stuff. We will stay tuned. I'm sure there'll be much more news that we talk about this in the coming months. Uh, moving on a little bit, Vin Diesel is 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 mad. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> he's he's oh, mad. No. He's mad at the uh, the producers guild. Um, and this has been an ongoing thing for a long time, but on Sunday, we talked about this, I think on internet explorers, um, Vin Diesel like tweeted or Instagram posted talking shit, um, with, his, with some classic fan art as he always does. Um, but, but here we go. Actor Vin Diesel has been mired in years long struggle for an illustrious credit from the producers guild of America for his contributions to the billion dollar fast and furious movie franchise. A cryptic Sunday night Instagram post from Diesel about mitigating a war with the PGA, a trade association representing film and TV producers, was only the latest round in a fight that has ensnared the likes of NBC Universal's vice chairman and added to a long history of family drama in the high-flying action films. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so the struggle boils down to Diesel's desire for the Producers Guild of America's mark of distinction, an addendum to a film credit that signifies to the industry and audiences that a producer has been verified as a substantial contributor in the making of a movie. Um, Diesel's attempted to receive the mark for nearly every film in the series uh, and has consistently been denied and sought appeals, which have turned ugly. In his Sunday post, Diesel called the group the Prejudice Guild of America. Jeez. <laughs> oh, Wait. <laughs> um, so moving forward a little bit here, 
Uh, it's the policy of the Producers Guild not to comment on individual arbitrations. The purpose of the producer's mark is to protect the integrity of the produced by credit. A panel of experienced producers reviews anonymous firsthand accounts from filmmakers and key crew in order to determine who performed a, ma- a major portion of the producing functions on a single film. So this is something we, we talk about a lot of like, what is a producer? And the thing is that title can mean many different things. But there is also a producer. Like there is somebody that gets more credit than everyone else for being the that voice. And what that means is obviously like bragging rights, credit, more money, but also uh, it allows you to get a, an Oscar for like if you get if it wins best picture or whatever, you also get the Oscar there, which I'm sure is what Vin Diesel's trying to get with the <laughs> Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs> Uh, so the PGA mark appears after a producer's name, almost always in end credits, branded with the letters PGA. Oh yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, definitely. The most important function of the mark is that it makes someone eligible to receive the Oscar for Best Picture, a prize that goes to producers. On the studio level, producers with the mark are often entitled to early and increased bonuses based on box office performance and award nominations. Vin is a complicated guy, side one executive familiar with the Fast franchise. (laughs) Not said, side. <laughs> <laughs> I love the distinction. So um, something that, that was interesting, the reason I kind of wanted to talk about this is the idea that Diesel is active in the daily slog that gets the movies made, films where Mustangs drop out of, out of aircraft carriers and land safely on mountaintops, is dubious to people involved in these projects. Diesel leans in to behavior typical of star talent, despite being listed on call sheets as a producer, said two sources familiar with numerous fast productions. That behavior includes <clears throat> arriving hours late on pricey stunt days, said one source, behavior that costs Thanks. time and swells budget, two of any producer's biggest obstacles. Um, so, so that's the thing. Wait, just... that, that is a complaint we heard from The Rock, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So, man. It- Sounds like he <laughs> wants to have his cake and eat it too. Like he wants all the clout that comes from that title, but also wants the flexibility and the kind of yeah, whatever he can get from being in the cast. You hate to see it. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. man, just do what you do best and talk funny and drive fast. What, what does he do best? Drive, just stand <laughs> there and, and look menacing. <laughs> this is a family. That's what he does best. <laughs> Drinks Coronas at a barbecue. So uh, a fun one here. Uh, Disney developing live-action Hercules film with some possible big-name directors in the mix. The studio has tapped Jeffrey Silver, who worked on Lion King and Tron Legacy, and Karen Gilchrist, who also worked on Lion King and Mandalorian, to produce. Um, the film is expected to be a theatrical release, not a Disney Plus original like Lady and the Tramp, uh, as well as Robin Hood and Lilo and Stitch, which are both in pre-production. Wait, live-action Lilo and Stitch is happening? Yeah. Why didn't anybody tell me this? That sounds amazing. <laughs> that was a couple months ago. Bro, we're talking about Hercules Dude, right I, now. This is yeah, fucking this is exciting. Hercules time to shine. Way, I'm sorry that you're behind. Joey, say the we word. Was, I'll get rid of I, him I, on the I call. Missed, I haven't listened to this screencast in a while. I'm sorry I missed this news. Wow. Lilo and Stitch live action? Sign me up, dude. <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure uh, that Lilo and Stitch and Robin Hood are Disney Plus movies. Oh. Not the yeah, bad. You know, I, mean, I mean, the Disney like, Plus like baseline is still pretty good I yeah guess. um but anyway hercules see, did you see who like the two like rumored casting directors in talks are for, so the first for uh hercules. hercules the first one is john favreau which Ooh. would make sense he's done a bunch of these second one motherfucking russo brothers oh my god Ooh. i don't know how much i don't know how much reality is in this but those are the two things i saw listed in the article Joey, why do you have little scissors 
Um, I they were on my desk, and then I just started playing with them because I fidget all the time. Sure. I don't know. Um, I completely forgot yeah. that they were in my hand. If I'm being honest, uh, dude, this is really exciting news, uh, but also really scary news. Like we all love Mulan, and we're all bummed out that the songs are going to be gone. Hope that that's yeah. still going to be like good. But uh, this is one of those things where it's like Hercules animated movie is phenomenal. I might watch it after we're done with this. It's so good. But, Have we like, talked on here? About the like theory about why I feel like we ta- must have talked about it with Mulan about why the music's not included. Oh, they're trying that... to make it more serious. No, there was like a I read some like not conspiracy theory, but it was like that they had sold away the rights to that kind of era of Disney movies that like the music rights, um, or it belonged to somebody else. Really? I don't remember the now. Music rights to those movies? There's no way. Like yeah, that'd be Disney it was has Disney radio. It was stuff. a. Art- I need to find the article now because it just sounds like outlandish. But as uh-huh. I was reading it, I was like, oh, this is an interesting little yeah. tidbit. Yeah, um, I mean, like, top level, that's not true because, I mean, they're still – like, they Christina Aguilera made a song even for the new one. And, like, the uh, – But it's reflection. a new song, though, right? Not the old one. It is a new song. But they also then – there was reflect a new version of Reflection as well. Mm-hmm. So, but wouldn't that count as a new song then, Tim? Well, no, because it's still the same melody. I don't know anything about music. <laughs> Anyways, Hercules, I think it'd be cool, and I'd, I'd prefer it as a theatrical release instead of a Disney Plus one because I feel like this is one that needs that extra budget and could be a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, hope it's, I hope it is, too. I don't know how they're going to do stuff like Phil and Pegasus. What do you mean? Pegasus. CG, man. You know what I mean? They get a horse. But, like, they, is they that going to be good? It's easy. Yeah, it'll be I, good. What? Yeah, I think I don't know. Oh, do you I feel like like Danny DeVito's like still alive, could... right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, great. They got Use him. him. He bring looks, him back. He's halfway there. As, like the only steady character yeah. that remains the same, like they did for uh, James Earl Jones. Do you guys have hype for for Hercules, given like the track record that Disney has had with their whole live action slate of Disney movies? Because well, we've had Lion King, we've had Aladdin, we've had um, Beauty and the Beast. The, yeah, all the like. I don't think Maleficent doesn't count. Oh, does she not? Does that no. not count? I don't even know. No, that's like with like the hunt, yeah. Snow White and the Huntsman, and yeah. like all of them. No, oh, Melissa, yeah. Melissa does count according no. to Disney. According, yeah, it's in their live action. Like it's part of the same division. So it was Alice in Wonderland. Hmm, those were not. Yeah. Well, I, the the last two I think have been pretty good. Lion King, I I liked. I thought it was a really cool, like re, you know, rehashing of the, of the reimagining same story. Did you like and, Aladdin? Yeah, I thought that was fun. I thought they did a, okay. a good job. I liked Aladdin a lot. Well, the, I've not seen any of them. I don't oh. think. I've and so I don't. I don't know where people lost? are at. Uh, I do. I just don't. Oh, oh, Joey's gone. Oh no, she leaves once a show. Have you guys noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. I have no. Just to be clear, I have no problems with it. It's just one of those things that confuses me and mixes up the order. <laughs> Yeah, I just I just never like <laughs> took the time to like I for a lot of the Disney movies mm-hmm. I just don't care enough to like to to watch a live action version. Lion King is actually you should, like you like, should watch Aladdin. Bless the Will Smith elements so? and are make it worth it alone. Honestly, like Aladdin was like a, a childhood movie for mine, and I do love Will Smith. It's just like I I remember watching the the trailers and seeing Blue Will it's, Smith and being like I don't know how I feel about it's all this better movie. than the trailers, man. It it definitely is better than the trailers. It's not a, amazing. None of them are better than the originals, but it's like. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that they're. I think Lion King and Aladdin, I, I thoroughly enjoyed. Beauty and the Beast had good things about it. Lion um, King is almost shot for shot remake, with like two exceptions where they kind of like 
they they can't do the big giant dance party things. Dance gotcha. party. Well, you know, like uh, too can you guys hear me? Yeah, we yeah, can, we can yeah. hear you. Okay, we it's you. weird because Discord as an app won't open, but I can hear you. <laughs> huh. Have Love you, it. Uh, did you go to Task Manager? Yeah, it's not even on there. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, when you open up t Task Manager and then go to Processes and then it sort says there's no running apps. What? I know. Under apps, it just has nothing. That's that's weird. You should definitely. No, it says have... in Processes. It says that there's no like Discord's just not on there. <laughs> that's weird. Okay. Uh, uh, do, I'm gonna try quick, and do check a the, things, the bottom maybe. right corner. Uh-huh. Uh, there should be a Discord light. It was probably green blinking on and off. Yeah. Oh, there. If you right click oh, on that, you okay. can hit quit Discord and then reopen it. No, I got it. All I right. got it. All right. Now it's there. There it is. Anyways, we can go back. To Sorry to go. interrupt. <laughs> no worries. Boy, uh, hold on. We, I just want to go back to the, the part that, just to be clear, Kev, are you referring to the Hitler-esque scar scene as a dance party no uh <laughs> that is one of the scenes i was talking about but the uh, and like you know you can't do the crazy green lights uh no the dance party is uh uh you know, the, the one where he wants to be king okay okay i just okay. Right? i mean king. that's a dance party right <laughs> that's a, that's a water hole dance party yeah okay okay thank you <laughs> Fair, right, Joey, fair. back me up on this one. That's a dance party. All right? I don't, I don't, I have limited knowledge of what you guys were talking about, and I'm not willing to commit. And just to be totally comment. clear, it could be viewed that the his, the the you know the goose stepping march. We're gonna move a little on. bit of a dance party too. <laughs> anyway, I'm, I heard, we're excited for Hercules. Is what I, is what yes. I understand. Let I me cast wait. the muses, Disney. Let me do it. I've been working it. on a list it. for literal years. G give it to us now, Joe. Um, where's my phone? So here's the thing. I've been working on this list for so long that I have Beyonce on here, but I think the fact that she was in Lion King makes her ineligible to no, be on No, I feel like the door's open. Further. At this point, you know, she's friends with people. <gasps> Who did you have her as? I just had her as one of the muses. The tall one? I I didn't cast specifically, oh, okay. like, which yeah, one yeah. is which. I just have a yeah, list Yeah, like, there's of one muse that talks more than the others. And I think she'd be really cool. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. So here's the thing. I had oh cast Ariana Grande as Meg. Is the other muse? Lizzo is also Lizzo, on my list. Um, I have Ariana Grande, Grande as Meg, which is also funny considering she just did the sing-along thing. So everyone's like, you just picked that because of that. No, that's not true. I've been working on this list for years. Um, I have Cynthia Erivo, who was in that movie that I didn't like, but other people liked the El Royale one. She's the singer girl in it. Oh, yeah, she's <clears> she's really, really good. She's also won like Tonys for being in the color purple. Jennifer Hudson, also excellent. Oh, yeah. Alicia Keys. Excellent. Oh, oh my God! Jenny. Then I have Lizzo and I have Janelle Monae, who are Holy all shit. so good. Okay, I'm in. It's a good list. Thank you. Real solid. This is Who's years Herc, curated. Who, who do we cast as her? I like jokingly said Noah Centineo as young Hercules because he's like goofy and weird. Um, but old Hercules is such a weird character because when I when we tweeted about this yesterday. People were like, oh, well, it has to be Hemsworth. Like, obviously. I'm like, he's not, like, goofy. Hemsworth? Or, like, Hemsworth? I don't know. And I think he's also too old. I feel like he's super goofy. He might be a little Ragnarok. too old. But I don't know that he's yeah. the right goofy. Hmm. I don't know. Like, I'm, I mean, yeah. he obviously I don't want, I don't want it to be him. I don't want it to be him. Like, Who's he's the guy from Riverdale? He also is able to sing. 
From what? Oh, Archie. Riverdale. Archie from Riverdale. I don't know what his name is, but I know who you're talking about. AJ Apta Archie? or something like that. Archie yeah. from Riverdale. No, she doesn't know. <laughs> I think it's I, I think think AJ people Apka. cast him, yeah. Moving on to the next story this, here. This one's for me, guys. Zendaya as a Meg, that would be cool, too. Oh, dude, that's really okay. good. <laughs> Transformers animated prequel. Oh, shit. We're finally going to find out how the parents meet. Oh. <laughs> Because I, I, I would love to see that's that. That's the only hope. prequel I want. <laughs> no, here's the thing, guys. We've been doing Transformers in review, and I understand what, exactly what it is. However, Transformers still very near and dear to my heart. And Kev, this is the type of news that I'm just like, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see this. Because this all sounds too good to be true. A prequel that takes entirely place on Cybertron. Directed by the guy that did Toy Story 4. Let's fucking What's that go. Some bird? Josh Cooley has been set to direct an animated Transformers prequel for Paramount and Hasbro's entertainment studio E1. Uh, the project was first revealed a long time ago, but now it's officially happening. According to Deadline, which broke the news, they'll be running point on the project, and it makes a ton of sense, blah, blah, blah. It's going to be a full-on, high-profile animated movie. Thank God. This sounds fantastic. Um, and they reference Spider-Verse as an inspiration. Oh. Like, oh. Stop, stop saying things. Just you had me at Spider-Verse. <laughs> Like He's I really most interested I've been in this. I love this, but apparently the script is done, and people are saying that they enjoy it. <laughs> like this is all <laughs> news that I would never expect about a Transformers movie. So great fucking shit. Let's go, baby. Sounds really cool. Um, staying in line with uh, in review, Kevin Smith says uh, Instagram some stuff about Twilight of the Mall Rats. He says, thanks in part to the quarantine, I finally finished a funny first draft of Twilight of the Mallrats. 25 years after the original, Brody Bruce will be back for an unnecessary sequel set against the Mallpocalypse. <laughs> uh, there, a bunch of the people are returning. Rats in a view skew universe reimagining or imagining about what happens when the sidewalk sales end and happily ever after is easier to stay than live. Uh, the Jane Silent Bob stuff is some of my favorite conceptual comedy I've ever written, but the whole Script is silly, sentimental, and sweet. And at 98 pages, the story moves like a breakless bullet train. It'll be months before we can actually shoot it. But if you want to know the backstory, and I recorded an entire episode about Twilight of the Mallrats from my new podcast. Um, so you can check that out. But Kev, what you thinking? I think I want to go listen to that podcast. Because Kevin <laughs> Smith's podcasts are freaking awesome. The problem that I also have is that I feel like he... Didn't he post like maybe a year, year and a half ago? Mall brats, like the same thing, like the like, hey man, look, the script's done, and it's just one of those things where it's like, all right, just make it, all right, then we'll see. Yeah, I feel like he he keeps saying scripts are done for stuff, and that he's almost making it, and then it just doesn't happen. Like the, the we we had heard talks of Clerks Three almost being. So the end of this, he says, and now that this script is done, it's on to a new draft of Moose Jaws and then the first draft of the new version of Clerks 3. Mm, mm. You see, it's all these things where it's like, it's cool. I hope I hope it gets made. That being said, I, will say, I haven't enjoyed, the, re, I didn't enjoy Reboot at all. You know? Hey, future no, that's not true. Not at all. <laughs> the, no, the, top comment, uh-huh. the top comment on this Kevin Smith post is from Miriam Catherine, a.k.a. Emma from Degrassi. <laughs> Full circle, baby. Oh my! What did she say? Does she want to be in Mallrats uh, or whatever this lot, is called? It's a lot of claps. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm sure she wants to be in. <laughs> Just maintaining that relationship whenever it's handy. 
Um, moving on, we got some more MCU shifts. I don't think we covered this last week. Stop me if we did. All of this is starting to blend. Um, but Spider-Man Homecoming sequel, Doctor Strange 2, Thor Love and Thunder. There's been a lot of movements here and Spider-Verse. Did we talk about this already? I don't remember. I don't think, I don't so. think we did. Going, <laughs> going through these changes here. Um, so this is final confirmation that Sony and Marvel seem to be working well together. Um, kind of moving things and moving uh, movie release dates in ways that are trying to not fuck each other over multiple franchises uh, and uh, not putting out too many big movies at the same time. So uh, they're moving Spider-Man Homecoming the, number three to November 5th, 2021, instead of keeping the original July 16th date, which moves Doctor Strange from November 2021 to March 2022. And um, Into the Spider-Verse is going to be October 7th instead of April 8th in 2022 thor love and thunder moves up a week to before valentine's day instead of after valentine's day 2022 and um the other major thing here was uncharted is now opening when spider-man 3 was originally going to open in july 2021 so cool i guess it sucks because doctor strange is one of the ones i'm most excited about and it's just keeps getting punted and punted and punted but yeah do you think that this will be the last time it moves, or do you think it'll just keep getting pushed? I I think that this lineup will be the last time these things move until they all move. Mm. Like, I think that this will be the final order of the movies, but I think that all of the Corona stuff, we don't fucking know. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, Could just push everything back. If Black Widow doesn't come out in November, everything gets shifted. Yeah. So, that sucks. Mm. Um. Then... What else do I want to talk about? I just want to let's fuck all this shit. Let's just get right into what we've been watching, man. I want to let's talk about Dave. Before we talk about Dave, real quick, I do want to give a shout out to The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary that Andy's been trying to get us to watch um, for weeks now. Me, Joey, and Gia binged it. And Jesus Christ, that is a freaking show. It's it so good. Endlessly fascinating. And there's just so many <clears throat> twists and turns. The amount of archival footage they have that just tells such an amazing story. It's crazy, man. And fuck Jerry. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's one that like I kind of like had on my list of like, oh, I'll watch this eventually. And I was like literally about to text Andy, like, I know you've explained this a million times, but how do I watch this show? <laughs> and Tim came knocking on my door and we I ended up liking it way more. We watched like three episodes the first night and we were like only planning on watching one. Um, I do think it's like super impressive that they have all of this footage. So like you have to imagine that they were thinking they were going to do something like this for a really long time. And like the fact that they have all of these interviews with literally everyone involved has been really, really cool. It's like cool. Like Carmen Electra even is like the, in it. Yeah, the amount of people that show Rodman. up, you're just like, whoa. <laughs> That's that's crazy. They got them, but or they have footage of them way back then. Like Kev, the thing that's most impressive to me about it is the whole premise of it that Andy was pitching is it's their the final season of them doing for the one last dance. But what's crazy about it is that season they allowed a documentary crew follow unmitigated access to anything they wanted, and they filmed a ton of shit. And that stuff hasn't been revealed until now. So that footage of that year and that season is the crux of the entire series. But then they go back and there's like a timeline that they keep shifting between. And it's like it goes over like 20 different years and they keep introducing like different characters and like going yeah. following their stories so and how they bad. all connect. Yeah, I think you guys should watch it. It's like I know you're not into sports and stuff. It's hype as hell. And the story is 
so interesting. For a second there, I thought of going really hard into pretending that I'm really into basketball. <laughs> and I was like, no, you can't commit to this. Like, I love the Lakers. Plus, uh, I mean, it sounds pretty cool. I had, I had not heard about it previously. And so this is the, this is the first time hearing about it. It sounds interesting. It's sure. real, real damn good, man. It's like, it is like as high quality of a documentary as you can get. Mm. Like, they got Obama. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all you have to say to me. Well, if they got Obama, then like, right? I'm there. I'm watching it. Well, the best me? part is that his tagline isn't like former president of the United States. It's just like former Chicago resident. And he's his like literally third. just there as a fan. And it's just Obama. <laughs> It's yeah. so great, dude. It's so really, really cool. Like, um, but yeah, did any any highlights you guys want to talk about briefly before we get into Dave? Dude, I watched Ozark season. Uh, well, I watched both Ozark seasons two and three. Finished it up, uh, ca- caught up, and man, what a show! That show is fantastic. It's so um, good. It's, it's probably the most stressed I've ever been watching anything. Like I put it up <laughs> there with like how stressed I was watching like. Like I, I would say I was even more stressed watching Ozark season three than I was watching um, Uncut Gems. Like oh. it is, it is like up there with like Breaking Bad levels of like, I don't know what's gonna happen to these people or how they're gonna get out of this or like what's gonna happen next. Um, they touch on they, they touch on mental health in a very interesting way in, in season three. Uh, that like really hit me. Uh, pretty 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 hard because like I kind of I kind of felt kind of what some of the main characters are going through in the way in the ways that they're handling that like having close ones with like mental health issues um and so i thought i thought they they handled that stuff pretty well um and overall like what a show i'm glad to be done with it because of how stressful it is overall like it's one of those things where like i'd be thinking about the show during the week and being like man i gotta know what's happening what happens next but at the same time like i'm stressed for the people (laughs) in the show because it's jason bateman man like he just he's he's that dude who like in in his like stereotypical role, like he's usually playing like the father figure who like you know it's kind of like if Michael Sarah was a dad. That's kind of the way <laughs> I view Jason Bateman. Of like he's always in over his head. He doesn't really know how to I handle. I feel like things. he's also really chill, and for the most part, he's just follows the rules, and he and he assumes yeah he's like that dude, okay. like yeah like he's that kind of dude where it's like I feel for this dude right even though he's, it's his fault that he's going through what he's going through in this show. But, but the but, way like, they set that up, it, like it also seems like. He kind of got fucked into the situation. Oh, he did. Like yeah. he, he got fucked into it, but but like like he, he chose it, it to was be a, in that world. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. it was an avoidable thing that like you know things the cards just didn't play to his favor. Um, and I think they do such a good job developing all the characters around him. Like there's a certain there's a certain point halfway through se- season two where you can tell that he's like fuck this. Like I, he's checked out. Like and you can just like there's not really any any like scene that's verbalizing it. You can just see it in his face of like. He's just done with 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 what he's doing, and he just can't handle it anymore. Like the stress has gotten to him, he's just done. And like from the from mid season two to like the end of season two, they use that opportunity to de- then de- develop the characters around him to the point where like his wife becomes like a very big part of the show in a way where it's like, oh yeah, like there are two main characters now. Like it's not just him; like it's his family that is that is having to go through this thing. Um, it's such an excellent show, and so the watch last- that, and then. I was going to say, the last two minutes of the last episode of season three is, dude, it just, like, the whole time you're like, oh, is the series just about to end? Like, what's about to happen? And it, like, you, it literally could go any way. And it's just tense. And you're like, oh, shit, did this character just go away forever? Or, like, like, because it would just get rid of him. That's, like, this show is crazy. It's, It's really, really fucking cool. 
Uh, I've also been watching Avatar The Last Airbender uh, for, for the, the first, first time. time. Yeah, Ooh. for the first time. How's it hitting um, you? I've never seen it. And it's one of those ones that I'm like, one day maybe. <laughs> it's 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 one of those ones that I've worried about because literally every every friend I have on this planet uh, and the audience at this point is like, watch Avatar The Last Airbender. You have to. And it's always been one of those things where as a kid, it was on TV. But I think just as a kid, it was never one that really stuck with me. Like, I always preferred watching other Nickelodeon shows over Avatar The Last Airbender. And so watching it now as an adult, I find it interesting because I, like, me at 25 years old, I don't really go back and watch kids' shows that often. Like, I watched um, Gravity Falls when I got Disney+, Plus, and I enjoyed that. I, I never even finished it um, because, like, that's not that's just not the bag I go to, right? I just don't really care that much to watch kids' shows that much. Um, that said, Avatar The Last Airbender, even, that, even with that being the case, I'm enjoying it overall. I'm having a good time. Um, I'm like halfway through season two and like they do such a good job developing that world as you go through and, and, uh, you know, developing the characters motivations and really fleshing this world out because like the world feels, I feel like in, in season one, you get the idea that, oh yeah, this is a bigger world with, with larger things at play and like, um, supernatural elements and all these things. And I feel like at this point where I'm at in season two, I'm finally, I'm finally feeling that in a way around like, Okay, yeah, we're revisiting some of the same places where we're, we're introduced to some characters that we met in season one, and yeah, I'm starting to feel like this world is an actual world. I'm, the the characters are lovable. I think the jokes hit pretty well, um, and overall, like I'm I'm really enjoying it. And so, uh, if you haven't watched it, Tim, I I I I would recommend it to you if you're in the mood for like a Nickelodeon cartoon show, right? Yeah. Like, it's one of those ones where again, like as a 25 year old, bless watching it. I don't feel like it's hitting hitting me in the way that it might have if I really stuck with it as a kid. But that still being the case, like I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I don't regret watching it at all. Yeah, you, Kev, you've you've seen it, right? Yeah, actually, me and Paula watched it like the whole series. I think it was Paula's first time watching like the whole series all the way through. Uh, maybe like four months ago. Hmm. Yeah, um, and it's I I feel like there are a lot of aspects that are very like. Oh, this is very much a kids show, but throughout there's like very adult like themes and ideas and like you are growing at like with the character and like understanding things more. Um yeah, I I think it's fantastic. Cool. Hard to watch though. Like in like it's not super accessible. Yeah. Yeah. It's about to be on something though, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's about, about to it's, be on it's coming to Netflix. Yeah, I've been watching so. it on Nick Hits on Amazon Prime or Amazon <laughs> yeah, Prime Video. I and love so it. like that's I like a, it. it's like a separate subscription. And I've also been watching Zoe 101 because I have it. And Zoe 101 does not hold up well. <laughs> <laughs> like I I remember loving that show. I remember that show being like one of my favorite Nick shows and watching Zoe 101 like a few days ago, I was like Oh wow, yeah, they do not they can't act like the stories don't don't make sense. Like I don't like I don't care for any of what's going on in here at all. Um it's upsetting because I used to love that show. It's so fucking funny. All right, guys, let's talk. Wait, wait, wait. About... I, I do have one more thing that I've been watching. Uh I've been watching Altered Carbon season two, mm. which oh, is you went back to it. What I, I didn't watch it when it first came out, which was like month uh month or a month and a half ago something like that did you yeah. were you like kind of whatever about the first season or did you really uh so like it? i, I thought it was okay Nick. like the real the big hook of the first season is like there's a lot of like really attractive people naked <laughs> and like that's what caught my attention and then eventually the story i was like oh this is really interesting um and like by the end i was like oh, i really dig this like weird complex world that they've created 
Um, some of the acting wasn't so great, but uh, I've started watching season two. I'm like three episodes in, and the whole the point of, the, uh, of this world is like essentially they figured out how to make people immortal, and like they can basically save your whole mind into a like a it's kind of like a disc that goes in the back of your your head, and this guy keeps getting like reactivated to like solve giant uh, like mysteries um and they're different actors so in this one it is um what's his name falcon from mcu oh yeah oh yeah yeah and um it's it's so interesting to see him play that same character but like different mannerisms stuff because it's like the last dude with this giant maybe like six five blonde muscular beast and Anthony Mackie, much smaller and, you know, not quite as, as buff. Um, <laughs> what? Just a funny way. It's just, it's interesting because it's the same character, but, like, the opposite body type. Yeah, mm-hmm. just I mean, different physicalities. Yeah, because, yeah. like, the other guy was just enormous. Like, I, I think Nick was the one that had only watched a couple episodes and didn't get into it. But he, like, nonstop was talking about the dude's body. Um, Sounds like Nick. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so far I've been enjoying it. It's it's a you know it's a silly show. Sci-fi world is really developed. It takes place I think seventy years after the the uh, first season. Um, but I'll uh, probably finish it off in the next couple weeks. See uh, how the story goes. It's time for Dave, guys. So here's the thing: I've been talking about Dave for months now, trying to tell all y'all motherfuckers to watch it. And a ton of people wrote in and been watching it, and not a single person wasn't hooked. And <laughs> here's the thing: before we get into spoilers, because we're gonna go full spoilers and talk about this whole season, because we've all now seen all ten episodes. I just want to say, watch this show. Every single episode's fantastic, and as an entire package, I think it is my favorite season of comedy TV I have ever seen. Interesting. So, that's that's all I got to say. Spoiler free. Now, we're going to get into spoilers. The rest of this episode is going to be Dave's spoilers. If you haven't seen yet, I recommend watching the show because there's some genuine surprises and laughs that I don't want to take from you. That is your chance to leave. Goodbye. Guys, what do you think? Oh, my God. It's so good. What a good show. What a good show. (laughs) It's episode five, good. Yeah, episode five is one of the most beautiful episodes. Is that the Gata episode? Yeah. Yeah. One of the most beautiful episodes I've ever seen. Where it's like builds this story and it kind of like throws you. I that was the first episode they did where you see flashbacks like throughout mm-hmm. the whole episode. And you're like, what the hell is well, going on? Well, you see those flashbacks. The other episode camp. Yeah, the but camp you, episode. Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. But wasn't that after? I think it, that's episode six. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, like until then we hadn't seen that. Where like the episodes before that were I think were linear. Mm-hmm. So for like that episode, yeah. I was like, "What is going on? This is so weird." And when it hits, I, there's several moments in that episode where it's just like, "Holy shit! This is so emotional, so well done, and like, fucking fantastic." Yeah, I, no, I agree. Yeah, I really, really liked the first episode, and I feel like the second ep- I think that's the second episode, the one where he's performing at the funeral. Yeah. I feel like the end of that one is like, okay, I'm hooked. I need to, I need to watch all of this now. <laughs> There's, I mean, it, dude, it's, it's so good. Dude, the, the end of that episode, the funeral one, like, holy shit, man. 
I mean, and it, they got Macklemore. The like, yeah. they fucking well, they did dude, it. They, they got everyone. Like, the amount of cameos that they had throughout this season were ridiculous. Because we're, we're talking, um, uh, I forget who it was in episode one. Was the OT Genesis? OT Genesis, I think, I think was episode mm-hmm. one. They, were, they got uh, Trippy Red. They got Macklemore. They got Charlemagne the God and the Breakfast Club, all of them. Like, they got uh, the Kendall. Uh, wait, was it Kendall or was it a, a different Courtney, Jenner? No, Courtney. 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 Yeah. Courtney Kardashian. Uh, Courtney Kardashian. Yeah. Yes. And Justin. And Justin Bieber. <laughs> Bieber. Like, here's the Wild. thing with the show. I feel like they did such a good job pacing out the cameos and never letting the cameos oh, yeah, yeah. dictate the show. Yeah. Like, I love that they're always used either as punchlines or as in- interesting characters that aren't just like, oh, it's funny because they're there. Like, Macklemore it was there for the perfect amount of time as the perfect punchline to the joke that was this funeral performance, right? Yeah. So fucking funny. But then by the time you get Justin, Justin was such a funny character. And, like, Benny Blanco, like – the producer dude he was so good like he yep. reminds me so much of um <laughs> the character not... from silicon valley kev that uh the this guy fucks oh yeah yeah, yeah. russ russ peterman Some... yes no. is that right no that's not right whatever that guy yeah <laughs> and i just like it's so good because that character that type of character is so funny but like the thing about dave that makes it special to me is that yes it's funny yes it's well written all that stuff it takes really really courageous decision-making skills into a perfect season that every episode adds some element that just adds to this world. The fact that we got the episode five with Gata and it went as deep as it did yeah. was so impressive. Episode mm-hmm. nine, the alley, it, thinking oh. about it hurts me. Like they did such a good job building up this show, not being about a relationship. Like I loved it because it was never focusing on the like, love aspects or whatever it was just good characters and then this episode happens and all of a sudden everything's contextualized in a way that is such a gut punch that feels so real that killing the bunny signifying (laughs) killing the magic of their relationship is like oh my god this is brilliant but the episode there's so much comedy in it that it's so like you're laughing there specifically during that episode during the whole bunny thing i was like laughing and like crying because i was sad but laughing because it was so funny yeah and it was just oh that's the thing it's not just a comedy and like the the episode that i think is the most interesting is the one that dave's in the least where it's like we're gonna focus on two of the side (laughs) characters and them randomly that fucking wooden shirt And it's so it good, stupidest so thing. Because for a show that is like based on a dude that like Lil Dicky's not the most famous person in the world, this feels like a season four or five episode of a show where it's like, oh, let's let's figure out and get deeper into these characters. And this show's like, fuck that. No, every single character in the show is important, and I, that's cool. Wait, do you guys know what that episode is called? Wood shirt. Which one? Yeah, the wood shirt one. It's <laughs> what would you wear? There we go. That's awesome. There we go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, like, the the pacing of the show is super excellent. Like, the way that each episode feels dynamically different from the last. Like, the fact that episode 10 starts off, and it's, for the first 10 minutes, it's a whole song that is, based, like, that is analogous to what Pillow Talking from his first album. But in this case, it's, it's Jail. And, and the whole, like, I, I, I almost wish that song was the whole episode. Like, <laughs> they, they fucking nailed that thing in a way where, like, um, like, the, the, the progression of it 
right it's it's starting off with him at the at the concert and then him getting arrested and going to jail all, all this stuff right and the, the way that then feeds into the transition of okay no he's he's showing this to his record label they don't like it because obviously it's fucking it's problematic um <laughs> dude, but then that so that good. then feeding into like his character right he's like a narcissistic dude like the way they t- the way that the way in which they make each episode stand on its own but then also tie together in unique ways that build who the characters are that build like who little dicky is as or dave is as like a like a narcissistic dude who's very creative, very talented, but lets his narcissism get in the way. Um, <clears throat> and the way they spell that out in episode nine, leading into yeah. ten, is so fucking good. But also, the it's way, so the, good. The way that the the whole season ends, where he makes the choice of like, no, this isn't the, the right time, and like it ending. With... It's the first unselfish decision he yeah. makes in the entire show. Yeah, and yeah. It, it's great because I feel like it's it's not only that. There's another moment that I think is a little more. Uh, ironically subtle because it's a it's not subtle in how they show it but it's subtle in the themes of the whole thing of data when charlamagne's talking to him and like being like why is your hype man black and like going through all the stuff it's set up that dave uh being very insecure with himself of like what people think about him in the previous episodes they set it up that he should be like hey you know what i haven't thought about it that way like i maybe he shouldn't be my hype man just because he's black like whatever but instead of doing that he's like give me a kiss <laughs> and like building on the relationship of of Dickie and Gata and it being so fucking genuine tying back to episode 5 it's like man like this show just fucking gets it and the dave we see at the end of se- of episode 10 is a different dave oh yeah 100% it's so good when we hit the point in episode 5 where like it's Gata is like falling asleep because the the pills they've given him are much stronger than what he's been taking, and they have the breakdown where they're they're all kind of like yelling at him, being like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Like you can't come here. Like this day is too important for you to be fucking this up." And he fully breaks and tells them all that he's bipolar. It's like, damn, like that's. I'm so happy they went that route because I was so scared the episode was gonna end with him like leaving the group and us knowing why he left the group. But them not, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, I feel like this this whole season is full of good choices, like where it's like, I want it to go this way. And they do, but like they do it in a good way where at the end, season uh, of episode 10, we have that moment where he's realizing, like, no, I do really value Gator's opinion. And he's telling me not to do this. So I'm going to pull back and listen to the dude that, like, because he just explained to Charlemagne, oh, hey, this, this guy. He isn't just my hut man. He like means so much to me. Uh, it's it's so it's so fucking well done. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny too because we saw the trailer for the show and I was sold. I'm a I'm a little dicky fan. I like I knew I was going to enjoy this. I didn't expect it to be this good. Something about you know it being so much little dicky, not just like a moment of a song here or there or whatever. Um, combined with FX, me not really FXX, me not really like understanding what type of shows they make or like what that could even look like. I was so blown away by what this ended up being because I feel like the premise in the very beginning was something I didn't love. I don't the one bit of this season that I I really actively dislike is him having a mangled dick. <laughs> like them going down this thing of like it there's actual problems with this it, dick. It was, it was shocking like how much out. that came back. <laughs> Like, yeah, and it's yeah, funny. They made yeah. it funny at the end of it, but like to me, that's gimmicky in a way that that like the show didn't need to be. But I and I was like... worried it was going to go down this like weird surreal path with it, and they didn't. Like they turned that into 
legitimately the hardest I've ever laughed watching TV, which is the the milking. The, yeah. and, but the, flip, the eating ass when she's sitting on that freaking table with the hole in it and he's underneath it and the, the garage door opens. I was I, hurting. I was laughing very hard. So good. I'll and even just like, like the little laughs. the callback to that when they're at the barbecue and oh my he puts God. the like, and ketchup they, down and it just like falls down. It's like the these little it. things that tie all of these episodes yeah. together that are like so subtle but so funny. So yeah. as, as I understand it, Gata is his actual hype man. Like the actor she, in the show is. Is, actually, is like real life. His name is Gata and he's his hype man. I, mean, I didn't it realize that. It just says Gata. <laughs> yeah, like I did. Like I, I always skip the credits, and so like episode episode six or seven. That's when that's when I was like, man, this dude is killing the acting. I gotta figure out who this actor is. I looked it up, and I was like, or no, well, I had that thought, but actually, what it was was I think I looked to see. I wanted to watch like a little Dicky Life performance to see if he had a hype man, and then yeah, yeah I saw Gata, and I was it's like, Gata. I was like, that looks like the same guy, and then I looked up the actor, and I was like, <laughs> it's the same guy. Like he's that talented. That's like so he good. was a hype man, and then gave like one of the best performances I've seen probably this year so far, right, in that episode five and throughout the whole season. Like, his whole, all of his clips, all, like, his whole performance, spot on. Like, he killed it. Of course, he's being himself, but at the same time, like, he did a great, he did a great job. Dude, um, being yourself on camera can be hard to do. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. we do it all the time. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, it, is the he whole the only cast. one that's, like, is everybody else an actor? I mean, everyone's not YG, necessarily an actor. All the cameos. Well, yeah, there's cameos, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> Like Els is in uh, Odd World, yeah, or Odd Future. That was Odd his Future. Taco from Odd Future. I don't know yeah, that is. Dude, he's he's he was either. in Loiter Squad also, which is like an Adult Swim thing. Got it. I really yeah. like him. I really like him too. And so Allie, God, I fucking love her. She's so funny and like she she's so relatable. It's like the, yeah, they, they cast her perfectly. She's the same girl from the Pillow Talk video. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Which, if yeah. you guys haven't seen, you need to freaking watch pill- it. Dude, I watched that a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> so good, man. Yeah. It also I, looks I, like she's an American Vandal. Two episodes of it. Oh, is she really? Oh, that's yeah. the other thing. Is um, the creator and writer of and director of American Vandal um, did three episodes this season, including the last one. And he's also the guy behind um, Little Diggy's music videos for the last couple of years. And I'm like, mm. all of this makes so that much makes sense. sense. <laughs> that that is makes a lot of sense. My humor to it. <laughs> Uh, th- we haven't heard talk about the show being renewed yet. I guarantee it's going to. Like, it's, there's it's no way that they a don't major success. Um, but, and I'm so so happy that it's vibing with so many people because like it is it's fantastic, man. And like, Lil Dicky is such a talent because you know I feel like the way that they tackle so many themes in this show of the appropriation and how awkward all of it is. They do it so well, like bringing attention to all of that stuff and why it is problematic, why everything he's doing is very problematic, but then celebrating so much of like, when you have the cameos, like he has some real ass motherfuckers in this thing. Like it's not yeah. just the Macklemore's of the world. It's like, again, like YG OT Genesis, like the fact that Trippy red was not even just, just a cameo, but like a recurring it? character in the show, <laughs> like a, like pretty much a central character. Right. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The kid's probably not his kid. I don't That's probably just a random acting kid, but like, <laughs> cause I was going to say, yeah, they got him and his nephew, but no, the fact that they got uh Trippy red in there as like a recurring thing. And like, like he ha- he has a strong role, right? Like he's there he's there as like a, a thing for elves to attain, like a like a um like a thing for elves to accomplish, right? Selling this man his his beats. Like it's very impressive what they were able to pull off. Um and 
yeah, I don't know. If, I don't know if that has to do more with just like Lil Dicky's connections or like the whole vision of the show and how and how they're allocating their budget. But either way, they killed it. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy. I think a lot of it does have to do with connections. Like it's crazy to look at Lil Dicky's career, and um, I, I because of the show, I've re went down a rabbit hole of watching all of his videos and seeing how they progressed. But they they didn't progress in quality. They just progressed in insanity. But it's like he's always had this this type of creative vision, and he's just committed to it. Like uh, his first major music video was um, "Ex Boyfriend," which is to this day hilarious. And um, I watched that, and then I watched the "Save That Money," which Such that idea, idea is so funny. But then there's a documentary that I'd never seen that's 20 minutes about the making of "Save That Money." You all need to watch it. Do they save all, a bunch of money? Do they yeah, explain like, how little they spend? That's what a whole, it all is. It's that's like awesome. it's the behind that's the, the one scenes. where they, he like shot part of it at another music video, right? He's literally at a okay. shoot for T Pain's music video, and there's a shot of them like T Pain's songs playing, Lil Dicky's mouthing the words to his song, <laughs> so that when he cuts, it just looks like all the people are dancing around him for his video. <laughs> it's so fucking, cool. it's brilliant, man. It's and but then then I went back and I watched. So he made his first couple videos like back in two, 2015. 14 whatever i guess it was like it was 14 i was still at ign um and they they, they were all super successful but then he put out a, a kickstarter kickstarter um fund video where he was trying to make money he's like look i've done all this shit for free like i've spent so much money on this like i'm trying to fund phase two and it's and he totally did it and it was super crazy successful this was before he was signed and all that but watching even the kickstarter video i'm like this is six minutes of entertaining ass content this motherfucker gets it and watching it feels like an episode of Dave. <laughs> like <laughs> it's real crazy that he's just that consistent. But anyways, everyone should go check it out. It's on Hulu. Um, it's on FX. Yeah. X. I mean, at this point, hopefully you check it out because we just spoiled the whole thing for you. Yeah, I know, right. Also. But I mean it's still also, worth watching. Like we like we yes. spoiled some major storyline beats, but it doesn't change anything. And like I still guarantee if you watch episode five, it's gonna hit hard. Yeah. yeah, we haven't talked about episode six, which I think is a very pivotal episode in the show, right? Which of him choking six? himself. That's like the one where he's going to the concert and like kicks everybody out because everybody's annoying him. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, the, the camp the one. Camping. Yeah, the camp one, right? And like that's that scene where he chokes his childhood self uh, in was, the linguine or whatever. That was, yeah. that was graphic. Yeah, that was. <laughs> but that like, was... I, I, I think it was like a really good, like that moment being as graphic as it is, I still think it was like a pretty poignant, like, like, story moment in that show like they they that that episode i think just as a, as a whole i think was really excellent. character development yeah <laughs> yeah yeah there wasn't an episode that it, i didn't like it's... like every single one man just kept kept going kept growing and and as this is one of the only times with a comedy show that as i'm watching it i'm like oh fuck there's only 10 minutes left like mm -hmm. oh fuck yeah. like, like even yeah. last night like me joey and gio were literally like we, we skipped through the commercials and we're seeing the, the timeline go. It's like, fuck, no, this is it. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that the whole uh, him having a fucked up dick and how much that came back throughout. Like when it first came up, I was like, oh, that's a stupid thing to like be such a big plot point. But like as it came back, like he has that conversation with his uh, girlfriend and like, the, you know, it climaxes with him being like, all right, I'll show it to you because you've never seen it before. And like that. The, the growth that he has there is just, it's so shocking that they can make such an obscene thing into such a funny thing that also kind of backs his personality of like 
always trying to move the attention away from himself using comedy and how that like yeah. made him to the adult he is now. The somebody suck me episode yeah. is brilliant too. Cause like that, that is <laughs> yeah, such a meta some... look at like, is he a rapper or is he a comedian? Can you be both? Like yeah. you're trying to be cool, but it's like, Oh, you are just a viral hit off of these things. Like you're, you're a meme. You're not, you know, like at what point yeah. is that actually like creative talent versus strategy and it's oh, how they, well, the, the way that the way so that, aware. that the way that those points kind of wrap up toward the end like with the with the breakfast club thing right like they it's obviously he's trying to mirror like his actual career because little dicky as a rapper is always like it's, it's it's always been hard to kind of accept him as like oh yeah he's he belongs with like the trippy reds and the ygs and like the other like actual le- legitimized rappers because you know, one, he's white. Two, he's he's hella funny, right? Like, it's not like he's like Eminem white or like Macklemore more white, right? Like, he's like a comedian dude uh, who who's at the same time rapping rapping really well. And so, like, the sh- the show does a really good job of trying to skate that line of like like yes, this is the thing I've been dealing with. Yes, I'm very much like a comedian, but also at the same time, I'm very much like going hard hard with the raps. Um, that Breakfast Club freestyle, I think. At, to to end it with that, I think is very much symbolic of what his actual rap career has been like. Because oh. you look at like you type in Lil Dicky freestyle, and those things have millions of views because Lil Dicky's freestyles are off the chain. He goes and people, off, people, man. He goes off. People love him. People enjoy him. And those are like really the, like like those are the points of his career that, that I think win a lot of people over into like being able to to look at him as like a legitimate rap artist. Um, and so I, I think that that ending to that episode, to episode ten, was very poignant in that way. Well, even the ending of episode one that has a similar type of thing yeah. where it's like, where it's like, oh no, 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 this motherfucker, he he doesn't just want to be a rapper; he is a rapper. He can fucking do this shit. And I think that this show did a good job of um, spreading the the actual rap shit out enough that like the show is it's about a rapper, but you don't need to be a rap fan to enjoy it. But even if you're not a rap fan, you can see the skill, you can see the talent, you can see the comedy. It's like he just, he fucking did it, man. He nailed it. Like this is yeah. going to make him cement him even more as a celebrity, as a success story, as like his next album. I really wish he had just dropped his next album. Like at the, yeah. like, I wish that like Dude. it was building to it, and then he fucking dropped it. That would have been brilliant. I'm sure there's going to be like a Spotify like Dave album because like if you if you go back to uh, through all the episodes, right? There's enough songs in there that it's like like there's my dick sucks. There is the Hi, I'm Dave theme song. Uh, Which is so there, good. So good. Yeah, no, it's great. Like, there's Jail. There's, um, <laughs> like, there are quite a few other songs. Because I go on YouTube. The song was, that he and Ali cool. do in the beginning yeah, of the nine. Like, there's enough songs. And the that funeral you can, stuff, too. You could, probably could put together, like, an actual legit, like, EP and have it sound pretty coherent. Yeah. Because he hasn't put out a, a real project since Professional Rapper. And I think that uh, was 2015. Yeah. He had his brain EP, which I don't count because that shit sucked. I'm gonna be honest. It was, it was alright. <laughs> that was a one and done for me. Where I'm like, this is a funny idea. You committed way too hard to it. <laughs> like well, he put out yeah. an entire EP as the brain character from Pillow Talk, and it, like the brain character is basically like it was basically like him doing like a future parody, where it's like a lot of like high auto tune, like trying to like rap about drugs and sex and stuff. Uh, there was like one song on there where I was like, this is a banger, and that's the song featuring Game. Yeah, and that's that's about it yeah <laughs> um last week on patreon we asked you for your thoughts on on dave and a lot of people wrote in with some shit um omni machine 
writes in and says, Dave is an excellent show. The show tells the story of Lil Dicky's rap career so far, but takes it so much deeper by diving into each character and explaining why they are the way that they are. The show also doesn't shy away from themes of race and stereotypes within the rap community. Another effect show, Donald Glover's Atlanta and Dave are yep. two sides of the same coin. One focusing on the rap scene from the perspective of a black rapper who comes from the hood, and the other a white middle-class rapper is trying to break into the game. I was not a Lil Dicky fan before, but now I am. Gless, have you watched Atlanta? Oh yeah, I watched Atlanta. That's a, that's, that's like <clears throat> actually the thing I meant to bring up is that this show mirrors Atlanta so well. Yeah, um, it feels almost like it is like a spinoff of Atlanta. Have you have you guys? Seen I it haven't Atlanta? watched it, and I, I've, it's always is it been on, on my Hulu interest now? list. It was on Hulu when it originally was coming out. I wouldn't be surprised if it's still on there. I would assume it's it on is... there now because of their whole like partnership with FX. That would make sense because I I remember watching it on Hulu. Yeah, so it looks like it's on there. Still on there. I would this recommend. This is one that's been like on my screencast list. Like this has come up a lot of times in the last year. I need. It is like required time. viewing. Like if you guys, I mean, you There's guys obviously like like this? Dave. Yeah. There's two seasons yeah. of it. Yeah. One hundred percent. Watch Atlanta. Like yeah, Atlanta, yeah. I would put a, a Atlanta. I'm put. I would put above Dave. But like Atlanta's wow, not as really. Funny. Yeah. Oh, Wait, dude. Is Atlanta's also a thing. comedy though. That's the thing I was gonna say. It's not as funny as Dave. But like it dives into like it has similar themes of trying to make it in, in the rap game and has similar vibes. But it, it's it's a comedy, but it's more serious, if that okay. makes sense. Hey, I'm fucking in. I want to watch it. Yeah, that. like and it's Donald Glover, who is like a, a genius. Yeah. Um, and so 100 percent watch Atlanta. But yeah, like Dave, Dave and, and Atlanta have very, very similar energy. That's awesome. Uh, Daniel Ferrero says, I just finished the Dave season one finale and my God, that was one of the greatest seasons of television I've ever seen. The fact that it could have had me laughing my ass off one episode to the verge of tears in the next is a testament to the talent of both the writers and the actors. The fact that they made me care as much as I do about a character like Gata is mind blowing. And don't get me started on the bonkers, how bonkers that finale was. My one complaint would have been that there wasn't enough rapping for a show about a rapper, but man, uh, did the eight and a half minute rap that opened the episode and followed by the way the series ended certainly changed that fact and damn what a hype ending it was I can't wait to see where the show goes next season as they have certainly built some interesting plot lines that I can't wait to see develop overall I thoroughly enjoyed the show and I would like to thank Tim so much for consistently recommending it you're welcome man now go recommend <laughs> it to more people dude at, um, at the at minute like six I paused uh, the the episode 10 and I was like, what if this is the whole episode? I, know. <laughs> what if I, I was just convinced so badly. And then like, by, they went by for minute, so long. For so long. Yeah. By minute seven, I was like, please, just keep doing, keep doing this. Because <laughs> legit, like, after, like, by the basketball scene, I was like, this is one of the funniest things I've ever Dude, seen. Dude, the basketball <laughs> scene is so fucking funny. Because, <laughs> like, he raps it so well. Like, the way the yeah. way that it, it works so well with the way that he's flowing and the way he's talking about, like, like I put up a shot, whoosh. I did another shot. Whoosh. Like the way he was like making that stuff work within his rap, fucking oh. nailed it. Like he nailed really it. fucking nailed it, man. Oh, great. Uh, Brian Smith says Dave was so fire. That last episode was incredible. Such a perfect ending to an awesome season of TV. Can't wait for season two. Um, and then Brandon H says, "What we really need to know is Cool Greg's thoughts on Dave. Cool Greg doesn't fuck with Dave. He doesn't like it at all. Doesn't like little Dicky. <laughs> really? You watch two episodes with me. He's like, nah." It and Whoa. I'm like, cool, great. Uh, come on, man. It it comes back to that thing of like, Lil Dicky is so hard to sell on people who are like, who are actually into rap. Like, yeah. Lil like Lil Dicky for me, I, I, I Lil Dicky was an easier sell for me because I'm kind of open minded when it comes to that kind of content. Like, once again, like Eminem, I really love. Uh, like, I'll I'll fuck with uh, Macklemore song or two. Um, like, I. I feel like for people who actually like like rap, like are in into that ecosystem and that are like de dedicated to the craft, Lil Dicky is such a hard sell. Yeah, he's 
Not but he's looking. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Fuck, I can't wait for season two. The alley shit gets me, man. In, in episode ten <laughs> last night, when he texted her and she gives the fucking response, it's like oh, the dots oh, and then the reacts. No. I want them to get together so bad. They need to do it, guys. Don't don't hurt me like this. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, if you know little Dickie's like past of music videos, I don't know if they're getting back together, man. Like, I think the only reason they would is because she's such a great actress they'd have her back but uh there's a music video called molly have you seen this bless i've listened to the song a thousand times i don't know if i've seen the music video oh it's a fucking heartbreaker it's about his ex love getting married and him having to be at the wedding and it's just like oh Oh, no no. so how much (laughs) do you think the show how much do you think the show reflects his actual real life because i imagine like gator's probably actually bipolar (laughs) i'm gonna say an 80 percent yeah, I think that it's you know it's definitely heightened, exaggerated reality. But all right, guys, uh, what should be the screencast question for next week? Wait, actually, I know what it is because next week we are doing the Clone Wars um, oh. final Whoa. season review. Um, it'll be Monday. Uh, Monday. They were doing it Monday at 11 a.m. on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games. So please send in your thoughts on the final season of Clone Wars, Clone Wars as a whole, whatever it is memories thoughts explanations theories all of that stuff uh kev are you gonna end up doing that or not no i don't think so cool it'll probably be me barrett and jonathan dornbush the bush (laughs) until then (laughs) love you guys bye